This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. is found in the book of Philippians. We're still on the subject, staying focused and undistracted. Staying focused and undistracted. Now listen to me. In Philippians 2, on our last teachers, we had started to go through beginning at chapter 2. And we started in verse 1. And we're going to start there again this morning. You know, where it talks about being like-minded. We're going to find out what it actually means to be like-minded. And let, let's just start there right now. Philippians chapter 2. Well, let me get there. Philippians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1. And we started this. Now, this is where we're on our fifth teaching on this, in this particular series. So, if you haven't got all of the teachings, you need to go back because we are connecting knowledge here. You need to go back to get that and go back to hear it so that you can connect uh, the, the knowledge. But in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, everybody say fellowship of the Spirit. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. If any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now listen to me closely. Well, let me go on with verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And we will do a little review and we'll push forward. Now, the Word of God says that we as believers should be like-minded. That's what we're going to focus in on this morning, being like-minded. And he also said that we should be one spirit. We're going to focus on that as well. Now, we're going to cover all this this morning, and then we're going to flow into the new information. This morning, I want you to realize how the spirit, the soul, and the body is very important to God. It should be important to you. Now, uh, this morning we're going to see how does the spirit and the soul connect. And we're going to find out the necessity of the Holy Spirit in every believer. The necessity of the Holy Spirit in every believer. That is necessary. It's not something that you can say, well, I don't, you know, I'm saved. I don't, that's as far as I go. I don't want to. Do the Holy Spirit. It is necessary for the Holy Spirit. But just just come go with me and we're going to fix it. We're going to fix this this morning. With the Spirit of God being my helper. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix it because I need everybody at Church of the Living Water filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do this work, everybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And each one of us this morning, we're going to see how we are connected, spirit, soul, and body. And how God intended for spirit, soul, and body all to be under the authority of the Word of God. The whole package, the spirit, soul, and body, God meant for all of it to be under the authority of His Word. Amen? We must be led by His Word. We must be guided by the Word of God. And where the keys rest is in the mind or in the soul. And where the keys rest in the spirit, that's what we need to learn. And we're starting here in verse 1. I love it. It says, If therefore there be any, therefore any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fellowship of the Spirit, very important. We all have to fellowship with one another this morning. We're having fellowship right now. This is fellowshipping. Are you with me? Now, but in verse 1, it's saying fellowshipping with the Spirit. We're fellowshipping with one another, but in verse 1, it says fellowshipping in the Spirit. With the Spirit of God. We must be there. I like 2 and 3. Fulfill ye my job, joy, that ye be like-minded. Having the same love, love, being of one accord and of one mind. We have to be like-minded. We have to be of love. we got to be on one accord. Let nothing, nothing be done in vain. Don't try to get any glory out of anything that you're doing. If you did something, okay, let it go. Stop trying to get glory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Now, let me, let me assure you what that means. The, the, the latter part right there where it says, In loneliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. That does not mean that you be some little weak worm and let somebody walk all over you to prove that you're walking with God. That's not what that means. Some people be like, well, you know, I'm just going to let that happen because, you know. No, no, no. You're not showing how humble you are. That's not what that means. Listen. This, it'll get a little clearer later. Just, just, just follow me. Three and four again. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on their own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Now, the last week, we said that the mind, if you can remember, was made up of three components. You all remember that? The mind is made up of three components. It's made up of intellect, emotions, and the will. Three components. That's what your soul is made up of. Intellect, Emotions and your will. Now, we don't want, this is what we don't want, we don't want to confuse being like-minded, you know, because we get that confused with, in, in that area. Listen to me. It does not mean, when I say like-minded, it does not mean that we all have the same ability. It does not mean that we all have the same personality. Because we don't. And it's okay. 
that we don't have the same personality. That is not what like-minded is. It doesn't mean that we all like the same thing socially. We all believe we should No, we don't like we all don't dress alike. We all don't, you know, enjoy the same things. We can enjoy different things. We don't all like the same kind of food. See, because people think like-minded. Well, we should all just do everything alike. We don't want all like the same songs. Oh, I'll give you one better. We won't all go to the same church. That's not what like-minded means. We might, we all won't be of the same denomination. That's not what like-minded means. What it does mean when it says we should be like-minded, it means intellectually that you and I, we're going to process information that give, that's given to us in the same way. And how do we do that? We do that scripturally. Like-minded. We don't just take information and do what we want. All of us, whenever we get information... Knowledge, we take it and we assess it through the Word. We have to scripturally assess that thing. Every one of us should do that. That's being like-minded. Instead of you going off and you got some information and you just, you're doing it the way of the Word. You have not, you have not filtered it through the Word of God. Like-minded believers say, I'm going to make sure before I do anything with this information that I have, I'm going to filter it through the Word of God. That's being like-minded. Remember last week we said in Corinthians that we should take all information that comes into our mind. And before we let it take up residence and before we count it as facts, we take it and make sure we run it through the Word. Because information is simply, information is just data. And all information is not good. That's why you just don't let anything come on. That's why you just don't read any old kind of book. Because you're putting data in. And so when we get information, we need to process it through the Word of God. Every one of us. Instead of just taking it and go, we got to process it. Are you with me? Now, Listen to me closely. And, and, we, and when we get some information and we process it through the Word of God and we say, now that's unscriptural, then what do we do? We make it pay. We make it obey. We bring it into captivity. See, that's why you have to stop and make sure. Because that's at, at that point is when you take it and you put it and you said, okay, now I'm going to have to make you obey the Word that I know. You don't just accept it. You say, now I know this is unscriptural. I know this is not. No, now this is tried to come in. I am going to make this obey the word of God. Amen. That's what you have to do. If it doesn't line up with the word and obey the word, then you should, what? The Bible tells us, cast it down. Don't play with it. Don't play around with it. Don't keep thinking on it. Don't keep talking about it. Don't keep overthinking it. No. He said, cast it down. Cast me to throw it quick. Cast me that. You throw it. You just throw it right quick. It says, cast it down. Because I don't want you fooling with it, playing with it, thinking on it, and until you make it a fact in your life when you should have cast it down and made it pay. And made it obey. Are you with me? 
Now listen. So being like-minded, it means that all of us, intellectually, we're going to be like Paul. We're going to determine not to know anything but Jesus and Him crucified. We got to put that in our head and don't let it get away. I'm not knowing anything but Jesus and Him crucified. It means that I'm going to count everything dung for the excellency of the knowledge of God. I'm not just going to put anything in my spirit. Excellency of the Word of God. Why? So that I might win Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I pass it through. Just every situation and circumstance in your life, you must pass it through this. We must, as believers, all process information that comes into us the same way, scripturally. Very important. We discovered also last week that the the difference between information and knowledge. We said knowledge is that specific thing of God whereby you and I establish a relationship with it. Should be in your notes. It is acceptable. We accept it as fact. And you and I can walk and be guided by it. That's knowledge. Now, this morning, we're going to learn the key to being able to separate information from knowledge. And I want us to know that so that we will not be duped or overtaken by the enemy, by the devil. He's banking on you not knowing the difference between information and knowledge. You done let so many things in. You don't know what's knowledge and what's information. You don't know what to cast down. You don't know because you're trying to figure it out. And you're trying to figure it out on what you just kind of know you think you have. You know, ain't nothing really wrong with it. Instead of passing it through the Word of God. That's going to keep you safe from the enemy. Never forget you have an adversary. And he's not letting up. I don't care who you are and what you are. I don't care how much you study. I don't care how much you love the Lord. He's coming for you. That's his job. And he does it well. One thing about the devil, he ain't lazy. He stays busy. That's why we can't afford to be lazy. We need to move. Amen. Again, information is just a bunch of data. We don't want to take the information that's just data and put it in our spirit and receive it and take it as fact without ever taking it through the Word of God. You know why? Because you hear a lot of things that ain't even worth listening to. And you establish yourself with that. Be like, oh no, no, that's not even worth listening to. Then we talked about the emotions. So how do we become like-minded emotionally? We're going to deal with that. We all have to react to information the same way. In other words, we will react to the information given to us scripturally by lining it up with the Word. When I do that, every time I give no place to the devil. When I don't do it, I give place to the devil. 
The Bible tells us, and we read that in Philippians chapter 1, he said, be nothing, nothing being terrified by the adversaries. That's why I got to put it through. I don't need to be terrified about information that I'm getting that I haven't put through. Are you with me? Very important that we know that. We have to understand that we have to walk by faith, not by fear. We as believers, we will not be guided by, the, uh, uh, by feelings or sight. That we have to come away from. We can get so caught up in being religious that we forget those things and we start actually walking by sight and by our feelings. That's why we, they have the saying, get out of your feelings. God don't want us walking according to our feelings. And surely not according to our sight. Because with our sight, that's temporal. God is trying to get you to a place where you get beyond that. God wants you to be very spiritual. God wants you to be more on the spiritual side than this carnal side. Now, God knows that you have to live here. And you have to do carnal things in the earth just to live and exist. But God don't want you tied in it so much that you can't even understand or hear God. You don't even know when and when to make the right decision and when not to. That's why you want to call every minister and you want to talk to them because you just won't filter it through for yourself. Listen to me closely. The Bible tells us in nothing being terrified, we're guided, we're, we, we will not be guided by our feelings, by sight, when it comes to faith in the Word of God. When it comes to faith in the Word of God, feelings are out the window. Sight is out the window. We are not moved by that. Fear is out the window. When the Word of God, when I see what it says, I establish myself in that. And I don't move. Are you with me? So then emotionally, we will be well balanced. It will keep us from jumping, jumping off on things so quickly. That's not of God. Oh, God's people are, are quick at doing that. We're quick to jump off on things that's not even of God. We just, we just feel like it's just the right thing to do. But is it of God? You are a believer. Did you pass it through? Now understand this. I, want, I, I have to get you to understand this. I don't, because I don't want you just jumping off, you know, things that are not of God. Because something was uh, itchy, twitchy. It felt something in my, I just felt something about it. I just felt something about it. Emotional feelings. Now understand this. The devil can bring emotions in the church as well as he can in the streets. See, that's where, that's where we get it mixed up. Because when emotions is done in church, we just automatically think it's God. But you need to know your adversary. He can bring emotions in the church as well as out in the streets. So understand this, 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 this thing. Now, I'm going to try to break it down as best I can so you, I won't lose you. The same emotions 
that trigger you to do drugs is the same emotion that make you shout. Like, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, what? What? You mean God? Wait, wait, wait. Just follow me. This is what I want you to understand. You don't have two kind of emotions. You don't have an emotion over here and an emotion over there. No, it's just one emotion. And God is going to deal with you with the emotion, and the enemy will too. But it's the same emotion. It's not a different one. He just triggers it. Are you understanding me? I want you to get a good understanding of that. It's only one emotion. It's just who's doing the triggering. There's not two different emotions. Are you with me? Come on. I know you're saying there, Pastor, wait a minute. Just follow me. Hmm. Now, I'm saying this for the record. It is all right to shout. It's all right to shout. I, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that the devil will make you shout. It's all right to shout. You can shout and tear up all the furniture as long as it belongs to you. You can do all of that. I want to make that clear. I don't have anything against shouting. What I'm trying to say is that if the emotions is prompted by the Holy Spirit, then it's a good thing. But know of a certainty that the devil can prompt those same set of emotions in church. Because there is no two different kinds of emotions. Like, oh, that's the emotion of the devil and that's the emotion of God. No. One emotion triggered by who? The, de- the devil can trigger some emotion to, to disrupt this whole service. And somebody will think it was a God. Because somebody was saying Jesus the whole time they disrupted this service. See, you, 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 I want you to be balanced and I want you to see what I'm saying. Because I don't want you to think, again, that's anything wrong with you. I'm saying that you had better have a relationship with God where you'll be able to discern, that you will able, you're able to know, and that you know how to operate properly emotionally. You know when it's the Spirit of God. Somebody walking in said, God told me just while I'm teaching. And people said, well, God said it. You know, it could be. No. That was very out of. Well, we know them. I don't care. That was triggered by an emotion. Again, I have nothing against shouting. Did you hear me? Just know that the devil will prompt those same set of emotions. We also have a will. That's our soul. That's our mind. Our divine center of choice. And if we're going to be like-minded, we have to make choices the same way. Follow me. How do we do that? 
How do we make choices the same way? Well, all of us should do it this way, according to the scriptures. It's easy. It's scriptural. God showed us all how to do it the same way. Simple. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct our paths. Why don't we just acknowledge him in everything? He didn't say in some of your ways. He said in all of your ways. Now, if we all did that, this would be a whole different ministry. If we would just acknowledge God. Just acknowledge that, he's, that he not only exists, but that he is. Before I do anything, God, I want to acknowledge you. Before I, before, before I sign any contract, I want to acknowledge you, God. Before I do anything, God, I want to, every one of us should acknowledge him in all of our ways. And let him direct our path then we should also be one spirit. This morning, that's what I'm going to try to do. I want every one of us to leave out of here in this morning with one spirit, the spirit of the living God operating on the inside of you. And if you're paying attention, and if you're focused and undistracted, you will. If you're not, if you're sitting there thinking about some foolishness, you won't. Amen. I want us to leave here. Leave this place filled with the necessary power to be partakers of the divine nature of God. Partakers of that. So what does all this do? When we come into one mind, I mean, said all matters, it makes us a believer. You know, in the early church, that's what they did. How do you think that they recognized those that walk with Jesus? Because they all sounded alike. They did the same thing. As a matter of fact, they were so... In the early church, Christian wasn't really... It really wasn't something to really be kind of proud of in the sense that they would say it because when they would see people walking like God, they'd be, they would say, you Christian. It was really like a slur. It would say, you Christ-like one. We, 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 well, we know you, you Christ-like one. Or you do something, they'd be like, oh, that's that Christian. Because they did things the same way. Like-minded. See, we, we think that everybody, when they saw Jesus, or when, when, when we read in the Bible, we think, okay, well, everybody knew who Jesus was. No. Some, do you know some people really thought that he was just a thug? When he stood, was on the cross with the thieves, they thought he was just some bomb that came around. Some of them did. Some knew, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, if, if they knew anything about the Old Testament, they could tell that was Jesus. But everybody didn't think that. And when he died, they just thought of him as another man that died. See, if we look at it like we think everybody that walked and saw Jesus knew that he was the Son of God, you're going to miss it because that's not so. 
But we want to be like-minded because we want people to say, Christ-like one. But you know, in our dispensation in time, anybody and everybody's a Christian. That's why we call ourselves believers because everybody calls themselves believers. I mean, Christians now. See how things change and times change and things change. But the Word of God never changes. Amen? So, we want to be accused of being a Christ-like one. Now, let's do a scriptural walk through the Bible in chapter 2. Let's look at the verse that's going to be applicable to this lesson now. We're starting now with the new information. In verse 5, here we go. Fasten your seatbelts because you're about to learn something. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to learn something. Okay, okay. You got, you got to believe that. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there. Because most of us say, let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. No, no, no. It says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. They're important. It didn't say that's in. Notice it didn't say that is in Christ Jesus. It says that was also in Christ Jesus. Referring to how Jesus reacted in his human mind. In his earthly ministry. See, how Jesus reacted in his mind, in his earthly ministry. Now, this is very important. Verse 5 again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, listen to me had a human mind when he was in the earth. Jesus' mind was exactly like yours. Did you get that? Jesus' mind was exactly like yours. When Jesus walked the earth, no one knew his IQ. And for me, I, this is just for me, I would imagine that Jesus is, uh, probably would be somewhere in the medium. Just in the medium. I don't believe he was a genius. But he was a genius. But I don't believe he was a genius. His mind was exactly like yours. So you got to see this. We're talking about his earthly ministry. I'm not talking about him sitting there, the right hand of the Father, being an intercessor now. I'm talking about his earthly ministry. His mind was just like yours. I believe that his mind was completely normal in every way. No flaws, just like ours, just, just in every way. I believe that in his mind he didn't super react, you know, super react or underreact. Just like ours. And if we really knew what normal intelligence was, I believe that Jesus was born right there. Just a normal intelligence. Just normal. 
And I can believe that by the Logos of the Scriptures. Just, just normal. That's why he could say, I know everything you're going through. Just a normal mind going through the same thing all of us go through. And I believe that how God reacted is if you, uh, if you know God's unchanging nature, if you know Him, you can figure out some things. Because you will say, you know what, just, just the way I know God, that was, that would be, that's, that's what He would do. Just make everything normal so we can relate. God acts the same way in many situations. Again, verse 5. I keep wanting to bring this home. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind that Jesus has ought to be in you. That's what's going to keep you focused and undistracted. It kept him focused and undistracted. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And we'll need to translate that in a minute. Verse 7. But made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, you have to understand what God is saying here. That Jesus came into the earth and he let... Listen. He, basically what he said... Jesus came to the earth and he left all of his advantages in heaven. He brought no advantages with him. When Jesus came to the earth, he left. God took off all glory, left it in heaven. Jesus had no advantages. They were in heaven. Get this in your mind. That's critical to what God wants you to believe this morning. Look at verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Verse 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. Now, all of this is happening because of his mind. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Because of his mind. Because of his thought pattern. Because of the way he related to God. Because of his obedience to God. Are you with me? I like verse 10. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and things under the earth. Now see, I like that. Now, you and I, we are made joint heirs with this same Jesus. The same Jesus that we just talked, we were talking about. 
we have been made joint heirs with that same Jesus. He is our example. It is the intentions of God that everything that Jesus, listen, had, we have. Everything that Jesus walked around in his earthly ministry that he had, we have. Everything. There is nothing that God gave Jesus in his earthly ministry that he didn't give us right now. Not one thing. Everything that Jesus had to operate in his earthly ministry, we have. The only difference between Jesus and us is that he was preeminent first. That's the difference. He was preeminent in all things. Meaning that what we have, God gave it to Jesus first. Then we got it. He was preeminent in all things. You must understand, every human being sitting here looking at me, there is nothing that God gave Jesus that we don't have. It's there. You and I, we have it. Now, not only do we have Jesus, the Bible says, seeing that we have such great cloud of witnesses. These are people that came before and after. We need to, he said, now, now, now that you understand this and you understand the mind of Christ, Understand that you got a great cloud of witnesses. So lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily beset you. Stay focused. Stay undistracted. So what is a weight? A weight is an impediment to drag you down, to hold on to you. It's dragging on you. Have you ever seen people, I've been watching the Winter Olympics and you watch Olympics or you watch anybody's prayer. Have you ever seen swimmers or racers? They put on the tightest clothes or the least amount of clothes. You know, sometimes you see racers, you'd be like, are those underwear they have on or whatever? But they put on the least amount of clothes or the swimmers, they have it tight to, to them. So nothing can drag on them or weigh them down. They even wear caps. So that they can glide through the water smoothly and faster. Because they, didn't want, they want nothing to... Even cyclists. They get on the bike. They have on them tight. Everything is tight. And you be like, Lord, those pants are so tight. They look like they want something loose. But it makes them glide smoothly. Make them go faster. Why? Because anything that's pulling on them weighs them down. It's a weight. Pediment. Dragging on you. God said, set aside those weights. And that's what God wants us to do. But he also said, and the sin. Now the sin and the weight are different. Sin and weight is different. Because see, weights... Sometimes weight is kind of easy to get rid of. Let me show you how easy it is to get rid of some weights that's dragging on you. 
See, sometimes you can flick a person off. That'll get rid of a lot of weight. That'll get rid of a lot of weight that you carry. Sometimes you need to give up some activities that you're in. That'll get rid of a lot of weight. Sometimes you need to change your phone number. That'll get rid of some weight. Sometimes you need to stop going to certain places. See, I see a lot of weight you can get rid of. He said, get set aside these weights. They're dragging on you. Sometimes you need to hang the phone up. That'll get rid of some weight. Change that phone number. Uh, well, let's see, that's a weight. Uh, then I have to try to get everything changed over. That's a weight. If it's a weight and you want to get rid of it, I don't care what, it's not going over into the other one. That's the one, that's the weight God's trying to get you to get rid of. Negative information. Wait. See, sometimes when somebody comes with the negative information, you need to say, you know what, God lives in me. And in me, there's no doctors at all. And I don't want to hear the negative information. I don't care about who Sally sleeps with and how long they've been sleeping with them. Now, if you want to talk about God, I'm all in. But I don't need the negative. Keep that to yourself or you keep that weight. Because people giving you negative information is going to put weight on you. See, we think it was all food, but it could be a bunch of foolishness. Weights. That's easy to get. See, it's easy to get rid of a lot of these weights. But it's hard for people to do it. But sometimes you don't walk with this weight so long, you don't even know it's dragging on you. You don't even know it's heavy until you flick it off. You be like, I should have been there. I feel, oh, yes. I feel lighter just, uh, you know, letting that go. Yeah. It was a weight. Ah. So we, we can do that. We can just flick weights off just like that. But then the sin. What about the sin? Let's talk about that for a moment. Because I want you to be spirit-filled and powerful this morning. So I want you to see this. Listen what it says. What is this sin? Listen to me. Notice it didn't say sins. It's in plural sin. That's a, that, 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 let, let go of that weight and the sin. The sin. That easily beset you. In everyone, let me tell you what the sin is. In every life of the believer, every life, before you became a believer, everybody in here, don't start lying, because that's, that's a weight you need to put off. Before you was a believer, every one of us in here had something, one sin, that always got us. No matter what. 
Mm, no, I didn't. Well, see, now you calling God a liar. Every one of us in here, before we were believers, had a sin that we always returned to and always got us caught up. As a matter of fact, we took it on into our life as believers. The sin. And it was a strong area of lust in our lives. And some of, the, some of you had the same in common. A man, a woman, whatever. Everyone, everyone, I'm sorry, God didn't miss you. I don't care how holy you play like you are. That one sin exists. Probably still exists. But it definitely existed before you were born again. And look, spouses, don't go and try to ask your spouse, what was your sin? Listen, <laughs> don't worry because he's going to or she's going to ask you yours. And then you're going to add a lie on to that weight that's already there. Just as a believer, you ought to be done with it. But it can take you back and say, yeah, I was caught up in that and I stayed caught up in that for years. That's sin. He didn't say sins. Sin that evil easily just besets you. So when we get born again, the devil comes to tempt us in that same area of the sin. You can read that over in the book of Hebrews. You'll see it says that the sin is singular and the enemy knows it. And he's always going to come there. Look back at verse 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. What does that mean to you? To let this mind be in you. I don't expect you to answer. I'm, asked, I'm just I'm putting it out there. What does that really mean to you? Let this mind be in me that was in Christ Jesus. Hmm. The first thing that some people will say, well, I need to have the mind of God. I need to think like God. I'm going to start thinking like God. I'm, you know, you. Well, let me enlighten you. And let me straighten something out for you. It never means, when it says, be, let this mind be in you and that was also in Christ Jesus, it does not tell you that's not saying you should think like God. You know why? You can't. You cannot think like God. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't think like me. Just hold on. God never leaves you hanging. But I'm here to tell you, you can't think like God. His thoughts are so far above yours.
for one thing, you can't think like God because He's infinite and you're finite. So that's out the window. You can't think like Him. And we're going to just let that rest for a minute, let it bake. I'm going to come back to it in just a few minutes. Now, what we can have, because we can't think like God, we can have the attitude of Jesus. Did you hear me? We can have the attitude of Jesus when he was on the earth. We can have the lifestyle of Jesus when he was on the earth. Read 5 again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is not thinking like God. We don't have the ability to think like God. Write this down. This is very important because now I'm going to give you something that you're about to learn. Write it down. What this means, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, it means we have the ability, listen, to know what God is thinking about the issues of life. I have the ability to know what God is thinking about the issues of life. I can't think like Him, but I can know what He's thinking. About the issues of life. I'm going to prove it to you. Not to think like him, but to know what he's thinking about. We can't think like him and he doesn't expect us to. He's saying, you're not going to be able to think like me. So you have to live by faith. Because you're not going to be able to think like me. you got to live by faith. We're called to live with information given on a need-to-know basis. That's living by faith. When you need to know God, what, what you need to know, God gives it to you. And then we go on. What you need to know, God gives it to you. Now, let me give it to you straight. So we don't actually think like God. Listen. But God always wants us to know what He's thinking. We can't think like Him, but He wants us to know what He's thinking. And he always tells us what he's thinking through his word. Let me give you an example. When the issues of life come up, and you want to know what God thinks about that issue. And we look at the scripture and it says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Did you know that Jesus, listen, did you know that Jesus... Didn't think like God. He knew what God was thinking. At the moment he needed it. I'm going to prove it. Notice what Jesus says. He said, I only do what my father do. And I only say what he says. Only say what he's thinking. 
I only do what he tells me to do. Now he wouldn't have to do all that if he already knew what God was already thinking and what it, what it was without God telling him. If he thought like God, he wouldn't have to say that. He wouldn't have to say, I only do what he tells me to do. And I only say what he tells me to say. Well, why would he need to say that if he thought like him? He would need to. Listen. He said those because here are some of the things, there's many things that he didn't know. Because he was in the earthly ministry and he left his advantages in heaven. He was in his earthly ministry. Many things Jesus didn't know, and he said it. I'm talking about pertaining to ministry. He said, I only say things and hear things that my father say, and I only operate based on what he is thinking. Another example. Remember when he was talking to the disciples. See, now I'm going to make you go to work to prove this out. Be like the Bereans. Don't just let me tell you anything. You need to go look and find it. I'm not going to give you the scriptures. You go find it because it's there. But it's going to resonate with you because you've read it before. Remember, example. Remember when... He was talking to the disciples. And they asked him. They said, Jesus, when will the end come? What did Jesus say? I don't know. Only my father knows. He said, I don't. He didn't know. He said, I don't know. My father knows that. <laughs> in other words, I didn't bring that information when I came down. That's locked in heaven. And can you imagine? He, di- he didn't know. He told him that. I don't know. The time of our that's my father's business. Now the Bible says this, not me. The Bible says this. Now, think about it. That's why he had such a tenacious prayer life. He was always praying, trying to find out what God was thinking. How to handle this? How to handle that? He was always going off and praying. He was all, he had a tenacious prayer life. Why? Because he had to find out what God thought about situations that he was going in. Because he was moving. He needed to be instructed. He needed to know what you think about this. Somebody should have shouted on that, but I get it. But, but, just know. Very important. Why do you think 
that he spent 40 days and 40 nights praying without food on a mountain, praying. He was up there 40 days, 40 nights, finding out what God was thinking. Come on, come on, come on. You not, you got to follow me with this. You got to want to learn something. You got to know your father. You got to know who your joint heir is. You got to know your business. Now, once he knew what God was thinking... He, he conducts himself accordingly. That's the way we should do. He conducted himself according to the thoughts of God. Remember he said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will. See, he had a will. God paused. Because he, he had a will. In his earthly ministry, he had a will. And he, he, he verbally said it. Not my will. Father, if it be your will. He was asking, what is your mindset about this? What's going on? What is your mindset? But nevertheless, not my will. Because he was here Get it in human form. He was human. He humbled himself. Can you imagine being God, leaving all your glory and humbling yourself, leaving all your glory in heaven, and come down in the form of a man? Listen. And the only way that you know anything down here is the way everybody else knows. The hard way. Oh, you better get it. The same way. And he did all of that so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. The same way everybody else. Knows why he was doing it as the Son of God. That's the way the scriptures have to be fulfilled as the Son of God. In other words, in other words, the scriptures said, "Let this relationship that Jesus had with the Father be in you." That's what it means. When it says, let this mind be in you, that was also. Let the same relationship he had with God be in you. Let the same kind of knowledge flow between you and I. Is what God is saying. Let it, let it flow like it did with Jesus. Now, how did the knowledge flow between God and Jesus? Do you realize that I'm teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So you should have been already grabbing, you should have been already saying, mm, mm. That's what I'm teaching on. That's what's important to this ministry. That everyone be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. We got, we, 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 we got some minutes. 
let, let, let me push through because I got a, a lot. But I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to overfeed you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you just enough because this was just enough right here. Follow me. Because I'm teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's break this down. The mind of God, write it down, is the Spirit of God. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of God is the Spirit of God. Remember he said, I'm going to put my Spirit where? In you. In you. So we can almost read this without changing verse 5. Let this spirit be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let the same spirit that Jesus had, follow me, I'm trying to turn on a light for you. Let the same spirit that was in Jesus be in you. Notice this. Showing you the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this. I don't know if you have, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna, I want you to notice this. God, uh, he didn't call upon the Son of God, Jesus, to do any miracles until he was full of the Holy Ghost. Go back and research it. He did not call on him to do not one miracle until he had been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Remember, John said, I'm not the light. I'm coming before the light. I'm preparing the way for the light. But I'm not the light. And the only way that John could recognize the light was through the Spirit. God told him, God said, now John, this is how you're going to know that it's him. The one. Because see, many people were coming to get baptized. He said, but now the one. That's the dove. Lands upon. The Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove. That sin, it sits upon him. That's him. Because he was human form. He looked like everybody else. So God said, this is how you know him. This is how you recognize him. When you see that dove descend upon him. Let this spirit, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Listen, Jesus walked the earth for 30 years. 30 years and he never did a miracle. As a matter of fact, he never started ministry until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Showing you how important it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not one, one miracle, neither did he do ministry. He went down to the River Jordan and he met John that was baptized and he wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> the way some people think. No, he was a baptizer. That's why they called him John the Baptist. He didn't go to First Baptist Church. You know John, but you can see it right there in the scriptures. There he's a Baptist. He's John the Baptist. No, no, he was a baptizer. See, you have to say these things. You know, we all know that, but everybody don't know that. They really think John was a Baptist. He was a baptizer. 
and, ba- and John baptized him in the river Jordan. And the Holy Spirit did exactly what God said. It descended upon him in the form of a dove. From there, listen, Jesus left and then he began to do miracles. He went down to a town called Canaan. And he remember he went to that wedding. That was that people's field. Turned the water into wine. He starts showing up. He's like, oh, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Couldn't do it before then. Now you're knowing why you can't do a lot of things. He couldn't. Until he was full of the Holy Ghost. He couldn't have done, he couldn't have turned the water, the wine into, uh, into, uh, the water into wine before he went to Jordan. He couldn't do it. Why? Because he hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? He did not have the mind of God. And the mind of God is the Spirit of God. He didn't have that. He couldn't do that. And see, the, see, you gotta understand this. God was striving with Jesus like he strove with Moses. I was looking at that and said, God, you're awesome. He was striving with Jesus like he strove with Moses so we could identify. Because, and you know why he was striving with him like he did with Moses? Because Jesus was an Old Testament prophet. Jesus did not operate under grace like us. He was under the law. Jesus dealt with him according to the law. He was the Old Testament prophet. Listen, the New Testament was built upon Jesus Christ. But he himself physically lived his earthly ministry and his earthly life with, uh, 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 as an Old Testament prophet. Did you hear me? He, he literally lived his life, not under grace, under the law. Now, understand this. He was the transition, preeminent in all things, first in all things. Listen, if Jesus had not been filled with the Holy Spirit, none of us could ever be filled. He was first. Filled with the Spirit. Remember, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill it. So I got to be filled with the Spirit, according to the Word. If I don't get filled with the Spirit, you won't get filled either. Remember, he went to his good friend Lazarus' grave. Watch how God is awesome. How about that? He went to his real good friend, Lazarus, grave, full of the Spirit. Now he knows what God is thinking about this issue because he prayed. Listen. Now, he still don't know the day or the hour because he ain't dealing with that issue. He's right here dealing with this, Lazarus' death. And I like what he, what it says around John chapter 11. 
It says when God, when Jesus walked up to Lazarus' grave, I dug this. I mean, I was like, God, I'm digging this. It said when he walked up to the grave, he groaned in the spirit. God, I need to know what to do about this. What do you think about this? He groaned in the spirit. Go back and read it. He's been praying. He already knew what had happened. He'd been praying, but he walked up on that grave and he groaned because he had heard from God what to do. And he had known where God was thinking. And what did he do? Lazarus! Know what God told me to do. He thought like God. God told him what he was thinking. He just hollered and he had to say him by name. Everybody else would have came out of the grave. He said, Lazarus! Come forth. Now I know what God thinks about this situation. So he groaned. Because they were all messed up. He walked up on the grave groaning like, y'all just don't understand. I just spent time with God. And I know what he thinks about this. He calls Lazarus out. Come forth. I'm telling you, he heard from God and he called a man from the dead. Anybody's not going to get up and do that. you got to hear from God what he's thinking about it. You might want somebody to raise them from the dead, but did you ask God what he thought about it? God will say, oh no. It's time for them to go with they have another assignment. Or he'll say, you know, tell them to come forth. But we don't even ask God what he's thinking. We just beg God. And this is what I like. You could tell. You could tell that he was asking God in prayer what he was thinking because this is what Jesus said. <laughs> He said, Father, this is before he raised Lazarus. After he had prayed and groaned in the spirit, he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. You heard me. You always hear me. I thank you, God, that you heard me pray and you told me what you think on this situation. Hmm. And just to go to show you, after that he went into his hometown. Show you the power of God. And show you people's will as well. It says he went into his hometown and couldn't even get one healed for him, a common cold. He said minor, minor, he did a little minor deal there. They couldn't believe it. Now, if a man can raise somebody from the dead, he can surely get rid of a headache. But he couldn't even do that in his own hometown because of their faith. And notice he didn't even ask God about it. He's like, they that stupid. See, Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry 
was subject to the ministry of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of him. And I like what the Bible says. The Bible says when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit drove him up the mountain. Drove him up the mountain. What did he tell the Old Testament saints? He said, in that day, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to keep my commandments. So the spirit of God drove him to the mountain. Jesus was walking in the spirit the whole time. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Let this same spirit be in you. So that's critical. It's critical that we are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because that's the only way that, that, this mind, that the mind of Jesus can be in you. That's the only way. What does that mind in you do? It brings back to your remembrance. But it has to be in you. Notice in Jesus' name, I'm closing with this, and I'm not finished with my notes, but we're going we're gonna to continue because well, I haven't got to the Holy Spirit part, which is what we're going to get to next week. But, 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 but notice this. Jesus' earthly ministry, he kept moving. Everywhere he was moving about. Moving, moving, moving. Why? Because the Spirit of God kept giving him information. What he was thinking. He was over here. He was over there. He was, uh, he was over on the mountain teaching. He was out on the boat teaching. He was just everywhere. He was, he was in the palace teaching. He was, he was just moving all around. By the moving of the Spirit of God on the inside of him. Moving by information that was given to him by God. And that same information God has given to us. When God said things like, this is information. This is, this is telling you what he's thinking. When, when God says things like, the hour has come and now is. Telling you what he's thinking. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's telling us what he's thinking. But always remember, he gives you what you need to know on a need-to-know basis. On a need-to-know basis. And notice this about Jesus. Jesus didn't agonize. No, I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to give you any more because you're going to start regurgitating. That's, that's enough for you to understand that I can't think like Jesus, but I can know what he's thinking. I can always let, he can always tell me what he's thinking. God, what do you think about this? Because you can't think like him. His ways are way higher. His thoughts off the chart. But God, you could tell me what you think about this situation. So now when you go to prayer, you say, God, I need to know what you think about this. See, stop just doing stuff. But stop asking God without asking God, what do you think about this? Tell me your thoughts on this. 
tell me, because you know, we, you know, we, we've lived in this world so long, we think we, and, and let me tell you, women sure think they have the answer. You know, we think we have the answer with our children. Let me tell you something. This, that, did you ask God to give you what he thought on that? I mean, mothers got it. I mean, fathers have it too a little, but mothers can get in the mess. All the way in it. Can I hear the mother say amen? Because if you don't, you don't have the spirit of God. Because God is telling you what he's thinking right now. You mothers, we know you, all of us as mothers know. And all of our, all of our children that are mothered know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ask, ask God what he think about it first. Tell me what you think about this, God. I know I can't think like you. I know I can't know how you think. And, 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 and in my own head, think like you. But I can, you can surely tell me what you think about this situation before I make a move. We make moves on job without considering God. We just do everything. All we consider is money, and we don't ask God for none of that. And it'll be a, and, and for some, it'll be a detrimental in the future. You won't even see it. But that's all. You never even consider none of it. We don't, we don't consider any of it. We like God. I don't need to ask God nothing about that. It's more money. Hey, hallelujah. But did you ask God, God, what do you think about the situation? And God would be like, well, I wanted to open another door, but you want to bust through this one. That's going in in a year. If you just slow down. And he's telling you today, in his mind, what he's thinking, he's saying, stay focused. Stay undistracted. Because something else is coming. That's his thought for us in this dispensation, in this span of time that we're in. And he's been telling us that for two years. Slow it down. If you go back and read, listen to any of my messages, things that have been happening this year was foretold in messages. But we're just so distracted. You want to stay undistracted and focused? Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.